I think for us, and I guess many other businesses, it's just being really honest that we can't do everything. We, you know, we can't change everything. We can't be warriors for everything. So what is it that we can really make a difference in? What can we stand for? And where can we really move the needle? Welcome to Good On Purpose. This is a podcast for anyone searching for something more meaningful in their life and work. I'm Nilesha Chauvet, Managing Director of Good, a purpose-driven creative agency working with brands and charities to help make the world a better place. In each episode, I'll be speaking to people who've made a conscious and deliberate decision to give something back. People from all walks of life who represent a new generation of leaders changing and shaping the world today. Listen in as I dig deep to get to the very heart of the story they really want to tell, and most importantly, to understand why they're telling it now. In this episode, I'm joined by Emma Bradley, Director of Social Impact at Global Goodness. Global is a media group, home to some of the UK's much-loved radio brands, reaching 31 million people across stations like Capital FM, Heart FM, Classic FM and LBC. Tune in to find out how Emma made the life-altering decision to swap a jet-set career in travel for the world of purpose. So Emma, it is wonderful to welcome you to this podcast today. So Emma, you've been and you still are the the head of global goodness. What a fantastic title. Yes, I know. It's it's certainly an icebreaker. <laughs> it really is. The head of global goodness. Um, so just tell me and also tell the listeners out there, how did you get this role and where did it all begin? Yeah, sure. So I've been at Global eight years. It is a lovely role, albeit with a daunting job title. And I actually moved from the BBC where I'd been working in various marketing and comms roles, including on children need actually. So I had a bit of background in the space. But prior to that, I'd worked you know, in commercial marketing for a long time. So, you know, I didn't go into the purpose space straight away. But when this role came up, I sort of grabbed it. I thought it was a really nice thing to do. And it had a bit of a blank canvas with it because at that point there were some bits to set up from scratch. So there was really an opportunity to come in and make a mark. So how many years have you been doing this role now? So I've been here eight years now. Yes. And in that time, things have evolved and the agenda's grown and that's kind of kept me interested in learning. So the landscape seems to have changed so much in the last five years. How has that changed your role just in the last eight? Well, there's certainly more focus, more scrutiny on sustainability or social impact, what you'll call it. I mean, we call it global goodness as a way to try and engage people more because the topic can be quite dry. And actually, you want it to be something that people run towards the corporate social responsibility agenda. And we were quite clear that we didn't want to set up a department that was social responsibility or sustainability, which is is why it's called global goodness. And I think that helps kind of win friends with us. There's certainly more interest now, more leads. Um, I think it's interesting being a media company, we kind of play two hats really. One is what are we doing? How are we using our platforms for good? And more and more focus on that, more and more demand and interest from listeners and consumers. The other is, of course, we sell advertising space. So we are providing services for clients and we're seeing far more purpose-led briefs coming in that way as well as as it goes up their agenda. So there's certainly uh, more demand. It's really interesting because normally when I speak to sustainability professionals, 
they do talk about the journey that they're they're on and how they're really working hard to change the organization coming from a media entertainment uh, organization you have got you are that nice sweet spot aren't you of the stuff that you would want to run towards and engage with and be creative with and you've got that emotional sort of creative storytelling bit to it but you've also got the sort of the rigor, the strategic rigor of sustainability. So how would you say, therefore, that the role that you do at Global is slightly different from maybe another organization like a Nestle or a, you know, a Unilever, for example? I guess my role is is less about our operations, actually. I mean, it's interesting if, if you look at the environmental piece, you know, for a while we kind of thought, oh, well, we don't have much to do here. You know, we don't run factories. We're not importing goods. We don't have huge supply chains. And of course, that's changing very fast now in terms of, well, what's our role in communicating that? But but our, our role very much is the privilege of talking to 25 million people every week through our radio platforms and knowing that we have the power to influence and communicate and bring people on a journey. And whether that's raising money or raising awareness, you know, we've got that. So my role is far more about the communication, the storytelling, as you say, than it is actually about operationalizing sort of our own business. So focusing on radio, then as a medium, because I think radio is really fascinating. How do you think radio has changed in the last, say, 10 years? And what what are some of the challenges that radio is facing now? Of course, well, radio is sort of not changed at all and yet changed drastically. So it's in rude health, which actually many people thought statistically it might not be by this stage with the advent of all other media competition with video etc and I think that's partly because it provides this real comfort soundtrack to people's lives you know in some ways it's the same as it's always been you know it's it's a presenter or a group of presenters talking and including people in their community and in their lives and I think people feel this sense of community through radio. So you've got lots of different brands within global And so in terms of the sustainability and social impact agenda, how are you juggling the different brands? And in terms of developing a a sort of an overall strategy, how do you go about that? What we've tried to do is really go with some lead flagship initiatives and some that can work across demographic, but maybe manifest in different ways through brands. So, for example, probably our best known piece of activity is our in-house charity for which we have a broadcast appeal that runs across all of our stations but will manifest and look very different across the stations and actually the causes we'll support and talk about and storytell about on those stations will be different according to what we know those people are most interested and motivate about. So Make Some Noise supports charities right across the country, but we may talk about, for example, a music and dementia project on Classic FM, whereas we may may talk about a youth mental health project on Capital. So we'll very much try and tune and change and tweak how we deliver it to make it resonate with the audience. What would you say is the biggest challenge that you've encountered doing the job that you do at Global? Oh, that's a good question. I guess for me, I would love to be doing more and more. And it's always the balance of commercial metrics versus, you know, these other metrics on how do you add benefit to society. 
And, you know, we obviously need to use our editorial and our commercial airtime. And in a way, I have to pitch and fight for airtime to show that there's value with what I do to build audiences and build value. So I guess one of the big challenges for me is always pitching against other people in the business for how I could use the airtime for greater good. It's interesting, isn't it? Because we were talking earlier about how sustainability professionals had to really fight hard to be on top of the agenda and remembered. Now that purpose and sustainability is so at the forefront of the agenda, how has your role changed and your influence within the organisation there's certainly more incoming queries to me. And I think what, what's lovely for me is in the early days when we set this up eight years ago and I moved into the role and we set up Make Some Noise from Scratch as the in-house charity, I had to go around and on knock on doors and say, oh, I need to talk to you about this. Will you do this for us? And some people would say, do we have to do this? You know, is this optional or is this mandatory? Whereas now people come to me with ideas and they're saying, I've got this great idea for this or can I talk to you about that? So there's definitely kind of more incoming, more proactivity from the business, which is great. And then, of course, the risk is it becomes a bit overwhelming with, well, there's so many things you could and should do, arguably. So how do you prioritise those? Um, and how do you make sure that we we do what is right for the business and that when we have to say no to things, that we know which ones to say no to and how to do that well? And how do you prioritise? Because that, that strikes me as one of the, that's the fundamental question, isn't it? Because there is so yeah. much that's going on at the moment. Yeah. And I think for us, and I guess many other businesses, it's just being really honest that we can't do everything. We, you know, we can't change everything. We can't be warriors for everything. So what is it that we can really make a difference in? What can we stand for? And where can we really move the needle? And so that's why Make Some Noise becomes a real front and centerpiece for us, because it's something where we know we are talking to communities right across the country. We can we can talk to them about causes that matter, little known causes or local charities that might not otherwise get the voice or the cut through, but we can give them that opportunity. So nailing kind of our activity around a few big flagship pieces has proven successful for us. The other one that we've done successfully is we sponsor a secondary school, which is about creating a level playing field for young people to get into the creative industries, which traditionally has been quite hard for people to get into. And, you know, diversity inclusion hasn't been always a priority in the industry. And we're hoping to really open up the industry to more people from disadvantaged backgrounds by working with this state school, which is in Hayes in West Middlesex. So for me, it's long term commitment and putting putting yourself behind and committing to fewer, bigger, better than trying to spread yourself too thinly. But, you know, not easy because as a media organisation, we get a lot of incoming requests from all these great organisations and causes that that want a boost or want our help. And unfortunately, we have to say no to some of those. I'm keen to get under the skin of Emma Bradley and really understand what's motivating you as an individual, because you belong to a cohort of leaders who are really trying to do good in business. So tell me, when you were growing up, um, what was your inspiration and, and what did you think that you would end up doing as a career? And and how has the sort of dream turned into reality, as it were? So I think, you know, I was very blessed, very lucky to have a very stable upbringing, uh, upbringing with parents who were really 
involved in their communities. And my mum was a teacher, for example. We lived in a village where the sense of community was really real and you looked out for neighbours, you knew your neighbours, you knew everybody in the village. So I think I always sort of had that sense of community and being a good neighbour and a good citizen sort of just as an innate thing. And then I guess some of that then is informed as you as you grow older, isn't it? And you learn more about kind of context and society. So in terms of career, interestingly, I went into the travel industry. And I think that was very much driven by creativity because I wanted to work in marketing and communications and travel seemed like quite a magical industry to work in at the time. So I joined Thompson Holidays and then British Airways actually and had quite a few years in commercial marketing in the travel industry and loved it. And although there wasn't a direct sense of purpose there, looking back, I think there was sort of a magic, like a you know, the Richard Curtis kind of film endings where, mm. you know, at airports, <laughs> there's there's always the running together or the saying goodbye or the absolutely sort of trying to get someone back or something. There's, there's some magic in that kind of travel industry. And I think, you know, that that kind of came through to me as much as there was a reality in selling seats and yield factor and inventory and pricing and brand equity. There, there was a magic with the industry. But then I guess my turning point was I was still in travel and I was headhunted for a role in travel. It was actually at Lonely Planet. And I went in to see the headhunter and he looked at me and asked me some questions and I answered them and I was interested. And then he said, what do you want to look back on when you're 80? And I thought, gosh, I, you know, I hadn't prepared that question. So I, I answered it from the heart. And I think I said something along the lines of, well, that it's all been worth it, I guess. And he said, what does that mean? And I said, well, that I, I guess I've played a part in, in making it a better place in some way. Like, otherwise, what's the point? And he said, so what does that look like? And I said, well, I, I guess it's that in some way, whether it's in my professional role or my personal life, I'm doing something that I can feel really proud that I've made a difference and a contribution. Anyway, he was kind of pushing me and he put away the job description he got in front of him and he got another one out of the drawer and it was marketing and fundraising director for BBC Children in Need. And he said, I, I think we should be talking about this job. And actually that was a you know, probably a, a life-changing moment for me because the way that he asked that question, in in a way, you know, it's sort of what's your North Star or what's your drive or what's your purpose? But the way he asked the question at that time really made me look inside myself. And so I sort of have him to thank for a slight change in direction, albeit still using my marketing and communication skills, but wanting to put that into a, a kind of bigger, better cause. That's such an amazing story. And what a great headhunter to, to have been able to do yeah. that. <laughs> yeah, I know. I agree. And, I, you know, I, I ask that question to other people now because I think it, it's really useful. And it's a really tangible way of trying to connect to your purpose. Yeah, it's interesting, though. I mean, I, I think that question was probably an unusual question at the time. But now I think lots of people are asking themselves, how can I have a career that's much more purposeful you know, people are demanding that they do something that is meaningful and, and they won't they won't compromise on that. So I think the game has definitely changed. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. And so many people, I mean, you have a role that I think so many people would find incredibly aspirational. So what would your advice be then to the sort of next generation of sustainability, social impact, marketing, purpose-led leaders who really want to make a difference in their work? 
I think go for it. It's never too late. I mean, I didn't start off in the purpose space. And I think more people are now probably because, as we've said, there are more opportunities. It's higher on the gender. There are more and more roles. In my day, you know, there was maybe a CSR department that was a bolt onto the business and it wasn't really integrated. And that's changing fast now. It's far more integrated into businesses. So my advice is, you know, it's not too late to change direction if it's something you're interested in, but you haven't found a way into yet. I think educating yourself as much as possible. So really trying to learn about the sustainability space, whether that's environmental or social, you know, do as much homework as you can. Take that first step. And that might be volunteering outside of work. You know, you can't always kind of force that agenda into your existing workplace. But you can begin to take steps that give you stories to tell future employers or to your current employer. And it may be stepping forward to join networks at work. It may be making changes in your personal life. It may be volunteering for a charity. So I think just start somewhere. And these things can be overwhelming, right? But as Mm. with everything in life, chunk it down and just make three changes or do three things. And and that starts to build your journey, I think. Yeah, absolutely. Breaking it down is definitely great advice, isn't it? Because because I think in this space, it's just so overwhelming. There's just so much to do. And sometimes I hear from people that they just don't know where to start. You know, marketing professionals are talking to me about, well, there is so much to do. We just don't know where to start. We don't really know where to prioritize. And how can we measure these things? Is there a particular project that is very close to your heart that you're really proud of, not just at Global, but throughout your career? I would say it would have to be Global's Make Some Noise, actually, partly because I I set it up. So when I joined Global eight years ago, Global had grown through acquisition. There'd been a number of different charitable community bits and pieces It wasn't joined up. It was very fragmented. So there wasn't really a story for the company to tell. Resources were kind of stretched in different ways. So I had a lovely blank canvas to come in and set up, make some noise, which would be a charity that could work and be flexible across all our radio brands. We've raised over £20 million now in that time. We've helped hundreds of charities and hundreds of thousands of people through grants. Um, and I think what what's I'm particularly proud of is, is that we've created a space which really works for us and the business. So I call us a grant maker in the sense that we give out grants, but actually a grant maker plus. So we've looked at the business and said, how else can we add value? Well, obviously that's through publicity and coverage and airtime. So we work with small charities who would never dream of getting advertising space on one of our radio stations, but we're able to give them some coverage through our relationship. And we also run some learning programs. So we look at the skills that we have in the business and We can run masterclasses with them on how to improve their websites, how to improve their social media, how to improve their approach to public affairs. So we look at the skills that we have in the business and how we can share them to upskill small charities. And in that way, we're capacity building, right? So we're not Mm. just giving them a check and giving them a project to do. We're trying to hopefully boost their capacity so that they're um, stronger and more stable for the future. Yeah, that's fantastic. That is what a lot of the smaller organisations, charitable organisations are really hungry for. So that's that's really wonderful. And if there's one big watch out over the next five years to really help us progress or that might, something that might stand in the way of progressing, what do you think that might be? I think the watch out is not to see this as an add-on, not to see this as um, an optional 
I think you have to see purpose as integrated into your business. So you've got to stand right back and go, okay, who are we? What do we stand for? What do our audience or our customers expect from us? And how do you integrate that in an authentic way? Clearly, you know, greenwashing or purpose washing is a big risk for businesses if they get this wrong. It's got to be meaningful. It's got to be integrated. And that's why it's got to be um, linked into metrics and rewards. If you were not a sustainability professional in the way that you are now, what would you be? I have always had a love of creativity. So I've probably got two answers for that. One is I'd love to be a writer, um, but I think that might have been a bit solitary for me because I love people and I love collaboration. So actually sitting in my loft writing novels was probably never going to happen, but I like the idea of that. And the other thing actually that I've always been interested in, funnily enough, is speech therapy. So, um, Mm. and I don't really know where that comes from other than some of the work we've done with some of the small charities that we've seen and to break down some of the barriers for people being able to speak and communicate. I think they do some great work and that might have been something that I'd have been interested in. Well, it sounds like you've got the job that's married both those things. You've got your comms, communication and your storytelling. Yes, I have in some ways I have. Yeah, Yeah, it's very fortunate. Emma Bradley, thank you so much for joining us. It's been a tremendous joy and a privilege to uh, hear all about your story. And it's been really inspiring. So thank you so much. Oh, thank you. It's been it's been great. Thank you very much for having me. Thank you for listening to Good On Purpose. If you've enjoyed this episode and would like to tune in for more, don't forget to hit subscribe before you leave. We'd love to hear your feedback and your suggestions for future episodes and guests. And you can do that either by getting in touch by email, hello at goodagency.co.uk, or you can find out more on our website, which is www.goodagency.co.uk. Thanks again for tuning in and hope you can join us next time.